So we are going to study Revelation chapter, is that too loud, you guys? Is it a little bit too loud? Because, because I can move it back. There. Um, all right, people. Here we go. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Okay, so in two weeks, I go for my pre-op appointment. In three weeks, on the 31st, I have my surgery. They're going to do two surgeries, uh, one one day and one the next day. And uh, so I'll probably be in the hospital for, I don't know, three or four or five days, something like that. So today we're going to study Revelation I'm very optimistic here, okay? <laughs> Revelation 17 and 18, and then next week, probably 19 and 20. I think there's 21 chapters. Is there 22? Okay, so before I go into surgery, I'm going to have the book of Revelation done. So and what we're going to do is we're going to um, just take a little time off, okay? So uh, summer's coming, spring's coming. Give you a chance to do a little gardening or whatever you want to do, and then we'll um, we'll pick it back up when uh, yeah, pick it back up maybe in you know 2024. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What are you doing? You're getting your purse before I pray. Oh, thank you for notifying me. Wow. Uh, so anyway, um, it's been a good run in Revelation, and um, I don't know about you, but I've learned quite a bit just from this study of doing it, and I hope you guys have too. And uh, you know, we want to continue on with, uh, with watching, waiting, and watching and waiting. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yes. Today. Um, by the way, so <laughs> chapter 17 and 18 are one of those parentheses chapters that are explaining something uh, out of chapter 16. So uh, we're going to see in chapter 17, religious Babylon is explored and explained. In chapter 18, basically commercial Babylon is explore and explain, and I will um, try my best to tell you the differences and all that kind of good stuff. So, let's pray. So, Father in heaven, we do come before you tonight wanting to thank you for everything, wanting to claim the blessing that comes from reading this book, studying it, uh, hearing it, and doing it. And Father, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, of his power, his glory, his worth, his authority. And Father, it's, it's wonderful to get that picture of our Savior. Lord, we want to pray that you'll grant us wisdom and discretion, understanding and knowledge as we study uh, this book. We pray that, Lord God, you would uh, please just bless us with faith as your word says in Romans that faith does come by hearing your word. Lord, we want to hold up our country to you and ask that, Father, you pour out your Holy Spirit on everyone that lives in the United States, convicting us of our sins, Father, and, and showing us to be a light in the world. Lord God, we pray for your Christians around the world. We're asking that, Lord, you'd have an extra mercy and extra grace on us, Lord, and that you'd help those Christians who are poor and suffering and hungry and discouraged, depressed, losing hope, living in countries where they cannot worship it openly, living in and through some type of disaster. Please pour out your Holy Spirit on your Jewish people, 
around the world and in the nation of Israel, Lord, showing them that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world as well as their Savior. Father, please pour out your Holy Spirit on the unbelievers in this world. For those searching for truth, we know that your word says they will find it. For those that are suppressing truth, changing truth, disguising truth, Lord, the terrorists, anarchists, murderers, Lord, the abortionists, the, the perverts, the antichrists, anti-God, anti-divine establishment types, Lord, all those who try to uh, reduce or, or change your word, we pray that your divine righteousness and justice, your holiness and purity will thoroughly deal with those people, Lord. Father in heaven, we do thank you. We pray that you bless our servicemen and women, that you keep them safe, uh, bring them home to us safely, grant them Christian fellowship wherever they're at. Father, help our church here to be a light in this community for you. We thank you so much for everything that you do for the folks that go here, the folks that are here tonight, Lord. And Father, we not only ask you for, but Father, without sounding um, arrogant, Lord, we expect you to bless us according to your word, that we may be a blessing to you. We'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Uh, we are in Revelation chapter 17. And just, yes. Before you start, I just got a call from Nancy Lilly. And Wayne was taken to the hospital today with the worst abdominal and upper abdominal pain he's ever had. Oh. And they're running a bunch of tests on him, but he is talking and he is doing okay, but they wanted prayer. Okay. And also, they said that if, if Lori hadn't been home, he probably wouldn't be here. So oh, boy. Yeah, Wayne plays the guitar. So let's pray for him right now, okay? So Father in heaven, we hold up Wayne to you, and we don't know what's wrong with him, but you do. He's been, um, he's been just faithful in coming, Lord, and in learning your word. We appreciate that. We just pray that you'll bless him, that Father, you'd have your, the finger of your Holy Spirit touch his body, his mind, and his spirit. And that, Father, you would relieve him of this pain, whatever it might be, and give the doctors and nurses wisdom as they uh, minister to him. And we thank you and just we pray that you'll bring him back to us uh, safely and uh, healthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, Revelation chapter 17. Let me tell you what was on the news this week, which... You know, it takes a lot to blow me away anymore, but this one blew me away. Did you know that now at McDonald's restaurant, you, if you will give them your date of birth or zodiac sign, with your hamburger, they will give you a tarot card reading. Oh my God. McDonald's restaurant. Tarot card reading. That's pretty evil stuff. That's, that's up there with Ouija boards and the rest of that stuff, so... It's, it's bad. That's where our world is headed, my friends. That's well, and also, who's going to give the reading? Somebody that's full of fries? You know, we've looked in the fries here, and we see the combination. I have no idea, but that's, that's, that's a good point, that's for sure. Well... Righteous 
people there in Sodom and Gomorrah vexed his soul, is what it says in Peter. So, you know, yeah, it's bad, folks. I mean, and it, I just don't see it getting any better unless, uh, unless we have a, a, a revival that involves repentance. And it's got to start with the Christian uh, church first. That's where it starts. And then it's got to spread out everywhere else. Yes? Something else that I thought that I was pretty much conditioned to the idiocy going on with this woman said that she would be more than happy to make love to this uh, pro-choice journalist, conceive his child, and have the fetus aborted on live television. Oh. And I, I just, I, it was all I could do not to lose my dinner. You know, and, and again, I, we don't, I'm not going to get into the politics of the different uh, Republican, Democratic parties, okay? But think about this. Any, is it normal, is it normal to want to kill a first, a full-term baby? Is that normal? You know what I mean? Or even... Or even when you think about it, you know, now we've got ultrasound and all the rest of this stuff where, you know, the nurses can show the moms the kids' faces and whether it's a boy, whether it's a girl, you know. And we have really, really uh, gotten hard hearts. There's a lot of hardness. And you know what? When we read in the Bible here about um, the fact that they refused to repent, and in fact, they cursed the God of heaven for the particular things. It is going to get the people at the end of the tribulation here, where we kind of are, really, are going to be so anti-God and anti-Christ that there will be no salvation available to them anymore because their hearts have actually been turned so far away that they're incapable of making a choice for God anymore. Oh, we also have a blood moon coming this Sunday. Ooh, that's awesome. Okay, so we studied in chapter 16 the seven bowls of God's wrath, okay? And um, we, we looked at the first angel and the ugly sores that was in chapter 16, verse 2. In verse 3, the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, so the salt water turned into blood. The third angel poured out his bowl on the fresh waters, and they turned into blood. And the reasoning behind this is this, is in verse, you know, and, and we think about, gee, that's, that's harsh. I mean, that's a harsh judgment. But listen to what it says here in verse 5. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters. So there's an angel in charge of the waters of the world. Speaking to God, you are just or justified in these judgments. You who are and you who were the Holy One because you have so judged. Why? Why is he just? It says in verse 6, for they, these people, have shed the blood of your saints and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. What goes around comes around. The fourth angel in verse 8 poured out his bowl on the sun, given power to scorch people. That will be global warming. The fifth angel in verse 10 poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. And they refused to repent. Uh, the sixth angel in verse 12 poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. The water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And we know that in a previous chapter, John heard the number of the mounted troops, and it was 200 million. Now, uh, this was a while back. Uh, years ago, but it was published that China, the, the military leaders in China, 
said that they could uh, put together, easily put together, an army of 200 million soldiers. That's a lot of people if you think about it. Now you add in, you know, the Antichrist, he's going to come into the scene and he's going to have who knows how many million. Uh, there's going to be millions coming from the north, from Russia. Going to be, this, is, this is going to be quite the big deal. We look here in verse, um, let's see, in verse 17, the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. Or we could say that the price has been paid in full. What price is that here? It's the price of the wickedness of man. And it has become so wicked that God's final judgments are going to be given to the people of the earth. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on the earth. So tremendous was the quake. Well, then we go into chapter 17. We've We've discussed this, but we'll, we'll go ahead and do a quick kind of review study on it because I want to get to chapter 18. But starting at verse 1, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, to John, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. We know that the many waters, it says in verse 15 are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So this woman is a worldwide phenomenon, whatever it is, okay? Now I want you to notice here that it calls her the prostitute. In the Bible, the nation of Israel is called God's wife or his betrothed, okay? The church all church-age believers are called the Bride of Christ, right? This prostitute, then, is like the Bride of the Dragon, or the Bride of Satan, if you will, right? So, what is she? It says here in verse 2, With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adultery. So, Whatever this woman is coming out with, she's a prostitute, she's an adulteress, and what is she going to be adulterating? Is she going to be adulterating the Word of God? That's what she's going to be adulterating, okay? She's going to, this is going to be um, a compilation, if you will, of all of the false religions that have ever been invented by Satan. And if you go back to the plain of Shinar, all right, Genesis chapter 10, chapter 11, etc., where we see the Tower of Babel, and they built this tower going up to the heaven, and what they were saying with the tower is, one, go ahead and try to flood us again, Lord. Ain't gonna work. We got, we got a tower we can climb up into. Two, we can reach heaven ourselves. We don't need you. We don't need you, God. And so that's when God came down and confused the languages, and people all went their separate ways. That is the birth, really the birth of so many of the false religions. And when we look at false religions, man, there's a bunch of them. I believe that the very first false religion, okay, very first, was in Genesis chapter 3, when Eve was facing the serpent or whatever the serpent was at that, the bright illuminated one, okay? And he said, did God really say, did he really say that you shouldn't eat of this tree? You know why he said it, don't you? Because he doesn't want you to be like him. You'll get to know what he knows. So that was the first false religion, is, is trying to be your own God, all right? Then you look at Cain. Abel brings a sacrifice of an animal 
as God instructed his parents, Adam and Eve, right? When he sacrificed, when God showed him how to sacrifice the animal to make the skins that covered them, what had previously covered Adam and Eve? Leaves. Yeah. So leaves represented their works. Okay, their works to hide their shame. Whereas the animal skins represented a sacrifice that God demands to cover their shame. They can't cover their own shame. We can't cover our own shame. Why? Because our covering is righteous. Our shame is unrighteous. And the covering has to be righteous. And the only righteous covering is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ of Nazareth on the cross. Now, you've got to remember something. That in the Old Testament, we looked forward. Okay? The people of the Old Testament looked forward to the coming Savior. How were they saved? People ask all the time, well, how were people in the Old Testament saved? They were saved by faith. The same way people in the New Testament are saved. We have the luxury of 2020 hindsight. We know that Jesus came. We know that he died on the cross. They had, and to be honest with you, I think it would, to me, it would be harder to believe in, you know what I mean? It would be harder to believe that the Savior was coming than to believe that the Savior had come. Because 2020 is always better than the rest. So when when um, Cain brought his offering to the Lord in Genesis chapter 4, I believe it is, he brought the fruits of his labors, okay? And his offering was rejected because we cannot work to earn our salvation, all right? You can't deserve it. You can't earn it, work for it, uh, plead for it, uh, buy it. It's already bought. It's already paid for. It's paid for by Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is accept it for ourselves. Sign on the God of the Lord. Now, so in Revelation chapter 17, we go into verse 3. Then the angel carried me away in the Spirit into a desert or a wilderness, which is very fitting because we're going to see that this um, religious system is completely devoid of life. So it's fitting that this prostitute, which symbolizes this system of false religions, would be in a desert. And the angel carried me away, away in the spirit into a desert there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. This is the system of the Antichrist, okay? And so this, this prostitute, this woman, is seated on the Antichrist and his kingdom. Now, generally speaking, when a person rides an animal... Who's in control? The Hopefully the person riding. Yeah. I had a Appaloosa one time that if you lost the reins, you were in for a ride. I'm telling you. There's just no doubt about it. Isn't when you lose control, it's called the rodeo? Is that what it is? <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. And rodeo's coming down this next weekend, too. Um, so this woman is... Riding on the beast, okay? So the beast is supporting the woman, and this woman, this system is has some control over this Antichrist system. You see, what the Antichrist is going to do is he is going to use this system of false religions until he doesn't need it anymore. Alright? And we'll find that out here in just a bit. Now, so it says here that in verse 3, there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names. You can go to Revelation 13 and read about that. Um, and it has seven heads and ten horns. Now the seven heads 
and ten horns. Do you remember when we read in Daniel, the book of Daniel, where the, the, that beast, the Roman Empire, he had, uh, he had the horns and the heads, and one head, which was the eighth king, came up and subdued three heads. Okay? So what it ends up with is seven kings, but the power of ten. Okay? So the horns here represent power, whereas the heads here represent kings or kingdoms. Does that make sense to everybody here? Okay. I know this is hard to understand with heads and horns and yeah. But you know what? I'll tell you something. I would be willing to bet a hundred dollar bill that virtually anyone in this room could explain the book of Revelation better than your average Christian. I really do. I really believe that. That's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I have no comments. Now, it says here that in verse 4, the woman, now think about this from John's point of view. Man, he looks at this woman and she looks beautiful. This sister looks beautiful. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet. That is the, the uh, colors of royalty. Okay? And was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. Wow. So that would be wealth. She had a golden cup in her hand, but it was filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of abominations of the earth. Now when it says the mother of prostitutes, what does a mother do? Gives birth to kids, right? Okay. So this woman, this system is the mother of all these other false religious systems that have gone on since time immemorial. You know, you think about it, and it's just it's very sad, but, you know, you've got the Hindus in India and around there, you've got the Buddhists, you've got the Zoroastros, Zoroastrianism, Astroism, you've got Shinto, you've got um, atheists, you've got I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And then on top of it, we've got Christians who are cultists who portray themselves to be Christian denominations but are in fact anti-Christian to the core. And what, what constitutes anti-Christian versus Christian is this. John says it in his letters, in his epistle, in 1 John chapter one and in First John chapter four, he says this. He says, "Let me read it to you." Glad you asked. First, I'll just read real quick First John chapter four because it's it's just easier for me to read it than tell you. He says, "Dear dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Don't believe it, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God." First John chapter four verse one. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now he gives us, John gives us the formula. Here's the formula. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Oh, this probably should be underlined in my Bible, huh? Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus or Jesus coming in the flesh is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Well, you see, what does that mean? Well, unfortunately, your Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus Christ was, is the Archangel Michael. They'll say he's the Son of God, but then ask him, is Jesus Christ God come in the flesh? Oh, no, he's not. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. The Mormons, the 
believe that Jesus Christ is the spirit brother of Lucifer. Now, where they got that from, I don't know. But he's not the spirit brother of Lucifer. But if you ask them, is he the son of God? Well, yes, absolutely. Is he God come in the flesh? As it says in John chapter 1, verse 14. Oh, no. No, no, no. That's, no, that's so different. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. And so, you know, we pray for our Mormon and Jehovah's Witness people and, and the Christian science people, which is neither Christian nor science. Uh, you know, we pray for those people. Why? Because they are, many of them, sincerely wrong. It, it doesn't make any difference how sincere you are, does it? You have to be right. And, you know, the, here's the good news. Jesus said it himself. He that searches for truth will find it. And there are many people in the Catholic religion, the Mormon religion, the Jehovah's Witness religion, and other religions that are really not Christian religions because of the doctrine that are searching for truth and God promises they will find truth if they search for it. Now, so this is the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. Verse 6, I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. You know, all you've got to do is look at what the Islamists have done, the militant Islamists have done over the years, the Ottoman Empire, etc., etc., and how many Jews and Christians they have been responsible for killing. And then you look at the inquisitions in the different countries and how many born-again Christians were killed or tortured just because they didn't agree doctrinally with the Catholic Church, etc. It's sad. It says, when I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Verse 7, then the angel said to me, why are you so astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and will come up out of the abyss and go to his destruction. Now, this is very interesting because um, you know, the beast, he says, this, this, this king or kingdom which you saw once was, now is not, and will come up out of the abyss to go to his destruction. Now, this has got to be talking about a spirit. A spirit of the Antichrist. Okay? And what I believe is going to happen is that if what we think is true in Revelation chapter 13, that this Antichrist, okay, this world ruler, suffers a fatal wound, okay? I believe at that point in time is when the spirit of the Antichrist is going to come and inhabit this particular person. And that is when he is really going to be uh, the Antichrist that we look at so bad. I mean, he's going to be a living person. He's going to ride in on that white horse. He's going to be very knowledgeable and very suave and very convincing. And uh, But I, I really believe that somewhere, just like Judas Iscariot, if you look in your Gospels, it says that Satan entered Judas and Judas went out and he did what he did. The same thing I think is going to happen to the Antichrist. Yes? For some reason, I keep losing my understanding of the difference between Satan and the Antichrist. Okay, think of, think of it this way, right? You have the Father, you have the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Son is the Word of the Father. The Father created the worlds by His Word. So therefore, we can say that the pre-incarnate Christ, okay, before He was born as a human baby, was the Word of God that God used to create the world. 
The dragon is Satan. Okay? Satan's man, or Satan's son, Satan's earthly representative, just like Jesus is the earthly representative of God, the earthly representative of Satan is the Antichrist. Thank you. Okay? And the false prophet that we read about in Revelation chapter 13 and we will read about in Revelation chapter 19 is uh, the spiritual uh, force uh, the Satan uses. We don't know who Satan's son is. No, and hopefully we won't find out. Yeah, I don't think we're going to find out. I mean, there's, you can guess to your blue in the face, but uh, if we're right in thinking that we're as close as we are, this person is probably alive right now on the face of the earth somewhere. Okay? And probably, probably a young man or a man. Uh, I don't know. I look at people like Trudeau of France or Macron, uh, you know, very uh, uh, suave and, and young and, and liberal in their in their in their uh, politics, etc. And these are the people that will be swept up in into that particular system of believing uh, who the Antichrist is. I can tell you it's not on the way. Okay? <laughs> Just so you know. Alright, now, we are in verse uh, 8 in the middle. It says, The inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life, from the creation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast. Why? Because he once was, now is not, and yet will come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. Yes, it does. The seven heads, number one, are seven hills on which the woman sits. They are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come. So it's easier to look at the seven kings to start with because the seven kings are kings and kingdoms which have been deeply involved in the past with the nation of Israel, especially as persecutors. You've got Egypt, it fell. Assyria, it fell. Babylon, Persia, Greece. Those are the five that have followed. The one that is is Rome. Okay, because that was present tense, John's day, Rome's the ruler, all right? Now it says here, the other has not yet come. What does that mean? Well, if we understand it correctly, and we hope we do, this could mean that the revived, the Roman Empire that's going to be revived is going to come. You see, the Roman Empire never really has died. Yeah, it kind of imploded from within, okay? But I mean, we have Roman architecture, Roman law, we have Grecian architecture, Grecian law. We're very, very influenced by the Roman and Grecian culture, even in our country. Okay? Just go to Salem, go to Washington, D.C., uh, go to any, almost any state capital and look at the rotundas, and uh, go to the Vatican, look at the Vatican uh, with the phallic symbol uh, in front. Uh, facing the, the belly, the dome, and then you go back to Osiris and, and, uh, and all of the false religions that have to do with them, which we may get into sometime. Never know. All right, so let's go on. Now, so the five have followed. So these are Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, and Greece. One is, that's the Roman Empire, it will implode and the others not yet come but when he does come he must remain for a little while what's a little while well seven years would be a pretty short period of time okay now let's go back to the seven hills on which the woman sits you know the seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits you know there's many cities that have seven hills. 
within their geographical bounds. Okay? I mean, Medford is the city on one hill, or with Roxy Ann, okay? Me, uh, I know. But there's really one city in particular that is advertised as the city on seven hills in that wall. And Rome goes right along with the revised Roman Empire, the Roman Empire that John was under, the authority of the Roman Empire, and it also goes along with, it was the Romans that came in and destroyed the temple, and go back to Daniel, and we can see how he talks about the people that came in and destroyed the temple, etc. So, until we learn or at least I can speak for myself until I am convinced of something else. Uh, this is kind of where I sit, and a lot of people that are way smarter than me feel the same way. Now, in Turkey, there's cities, even in Turkey, that has seven hills. And the Turkish Empire, which of course was kind of the, really involved with the Ottomans, you know, the Ottoman Empire, it, um, it's going to be quite revived in the last days, and it's going to be a big part, and it is due north of Israel, too. So I believe that Turkey and Russia are probably going to have a coalition together that's going to come against Israel. And in fact, the, even though Turkey is a member of NATO right now, all right, so supposedly it's aligned with the West, they have all kinds of different uh, ties with Russia and Iran. Okay, now, so, it says here in verse 11, the beast, who once was, and now is not, and is an eighth king, he belongs to the seven, and is going to his destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings, who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. Now, I don't know if you've ever studied this before, but, um, the world, and I, I can't remember who, I, I don't remember if it was the United Nations that did this, but the world has been divided into seven, or excuse me, ten regions. There's an American region, and then there's regions, you know, and could that be what they're talking about? Maybe, okay? Could they be talking about continents? Could they be talking about uh, kings who have no kingdom? Could they be talking about very rich, powerful people that, in essence, like Bill Gates, I mean, the dude has a kingdom. You know, he's, he's got more wealth than a lot of countries do, Bill. By the way, looking at it, it's instead of princes. Princes. Because they, what is a prince? A prince is a king that does not even have a king. Does not have a prince is a king wannabe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good. Good call on that one. All right. I didn't hear. It. I'm glad I did it properly. Uh, all right. These ten kings, verse thirteen, have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will make war against the lamb. We're going to see that in chapter nineteen. Remember. 17 and 18 are parentheses chapters, okay? They're just explaining something to us that we've seen either in 16, 15, 13, 19, etc. It says, they will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because He is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and with Him will be His, his called, chosen, and faithful followers. We'll see that in chapter 19. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will eventually hate the prostitute, this false religious system. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Why? For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish His purpose by agreeing to give the beast their power to rule 
until God's words are fulfilled. This is interesting because God lets the Antichrist kingdom destroy the false religious kingdom. Now we tie in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where it says, in fact, I'll read it to you since you ask. Alright, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and this should be also marked in your Bible. It says this, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way for the, that day, the day of the Lord, will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness, this is the Antichrist, is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. We just read that in Revelation. He, the Antichrist, will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. That would be this prostitute that is the mother of the false religions. He is going to usurp his um, authority, etc., over her, which is why he doesn't need her anymore. It says this, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So, why would the Antichrist destroy this kingdom? I'll give you two reasons. One, money. It's a very rich kingdom. Two, uh, the Antichrist wants to be the head honcho. He don't want anybody worshiping anybody else. He's going to be the one that stands in God's temple claiming himself to be God. Which means that there has to be a third temple or tabernacle built on the Temple Mount. And that will happen eventually. There's, they're making plans for it now. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. Now, if we're looking, I mean, this is, this is uh, present tense. The woman you saw is, not will be, or was, is. So this can really only refer to Rome. Because Rome was the city that at John's time was ruling over the whole earth, the Roman Empire. Now, verse 8, ouch, excuse me. Chapter 18, verse 1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. Why? For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her, her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that, you do, so that you will not share in her sins. So now, in, in chapter 17, I believe that we were talking about a system. A religious system that was riding what? She was riding the beast. Yeah. Now we see this system riding the beast but the city now is called Babylon. So is Babylon, people have said New York is Babylon. People have said Babylon in, in uh, Iran. Iraq. Iran. Iraq. Iraq is Babylon because it's Babylonian. People have said Jerusalem is Babylon. Um, so what do we got going here? Alright, let's see if we can find out. It says, so come out of my people so that you will not share in her sins so that you will not receive any of her plagues. Okay, so we're going we're to see plagues coming out here. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion from her own cup. What's in her cup? Oh, it says... Uh, 
uh, in chapter 17, verse 4, it says she had held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and with the filth of her adulteries. So now we're going to mix a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit as a queen, I am not a widow, and I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine, she will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. So we still got to find out what's going on here. Verse 9, when the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury, see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her, terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry. So now we've got the kings of the earth that are uh, uh, mourning over this loss. What do they say? Woe, woe, O great city, O Babylon, city of power, in one hour your doom has come. All right, let's go on. Verse 11. The merchants of the earth, now we're getting into the economic side of things, okay? The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood, and articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh, and frankincense, of wine and olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses, and carriages. Whew! Well, I'd say that's a pretty inclusive list, wouldn't you? That pretty much touches on everything. It touches on your precious metals, it touches on your fine cloths, your woods, your, your, your uh, uh, metals of building things, your olive oils, and everything else. And not only that, it says, and bodies and souls of men. That's what, that's what really kind of tears me up is that this city has this city has done merchant, merchandising in the body and souls of men. What do you call that? Slavery. Slavery, don't you? Yeah. Call that trafficking. slavery. Yeah, what? Trafficking. Yeah, trafficking. yeah, could be trafficking. So this is bad. Alright, now Verse 14, let's just read the whole thing. Verse 14, they will say, who's they? Merchants of the earth, okay? The fruit you long for is gone from you. All your riches and splendor vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand afar off, terrified of her torment. They will weep and mourn, mourn and cry out, Woe, woe, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Now, it gives us more hints as to this city, okay? Every sea captain and all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea, will stand far off. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, was there ever a city like this great city? They will throw dust on their heads and with weeping and mourning cry out, whoa, whoa, great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour she has been brought to ruin. Rejoice over her, O heaven, Rejoice, saints and apostles and prophets. God has judged her for the way she treated you. Then a mighty angel picked up the boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, 
which such, with such violence the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. The music harpists and musicians, flute players and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No workman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never be will never shine in you again. The voice of the bride, groom, and bride will never be heard in you again. Wow. The merchants, your merchants, were the world's great men. By your magic spell, this is pharmakia in Greek, all the nations were led astray. In her was found the blood of prophets and of the saints and of all who have been killed on the earth. Now, so Babylon. So here's your choices, okay? Is this literal Babylon? The city in Mesopotamia, in uh, the land of Shinar, I should say, that Saddam Hussein started rebuilding. And he manufactured bricks with his name imprinted on them and made, started making, you can go to, you can Google it and, and see the, the actual city. Uh, in the uh, Iraq War, okay, Iraq, See, Saddam Hussein was Iraq. Okay. So in the Iraq War, the United States Army used a portion of the city of Babylon as their staging area. My was there. Was he? Yeah, and they actually kind of screwed up a part of the historical uh, stuff that's in the ground that you know, we probably should have excavated, etc. So, will the literal city of Babylon be rebuilt? Okay, so that's number one choice. Number two choice is, is this Jerusalem. Okay, uh, because Jerusalem is called, uh, I believe it's called Babylon somewhere in the Bible. Or is it wrong? Alright, now in Peter, let me read it to you. I believe it's in 2 Peter. Let me find it. 2 Peter. Peter is writing. And what he says is this. If, hopefully I can find it. Um, I know it's in here. 2 Peter. I'm assuming. Today too, so I don't, I don't see it right off the top of my head. So I'm not going to. Um, oh, let's see. Chosen together with you. Well, in chapter five, First Peter chapter five verse thirteen, he says, um, "She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark." Peter was in Rome when he wrote these two epistles. And what he's saying here is he's saying she who is in Babylon, the church that is in Babylon, and he's using the word Babylon as a disguise for Rome because he doesn't want to get into trouble with the emperor of Rome because he was already in trouble anyway with Nero, and Nero ended up putting him to death. And so Peter uses Babylon to refer to Rome. Okay? He uses Babylon to refer to Rome instead of just saying Rome. Um, another thought is if you look at Dubai and the great riches and the city that is built there now. Dubai? Dubai, uh -huh. which is near Shinar. Right. Um, it also held the World Economic Forum, which is setting up leaders Yeah, now the one thing that, that is key for me in this whole thing, okay, is this. Is it says every sea captain and all who travel by ship. It's on the Yeah, that's on that's on the Persian Gulf, I think, is what you're talking about. And Rome, you you would be able to see, correct me if I'm wrong, but you would be able to see Rome burning 
from the sea if you were a sailor. So my there is there is um, people uh, that good quality Christian um, exegeters of the word, okay, that believe that it could be Babylon rebuilt, that it could be Rome, that it could be uh, they they believe that possibly the religious center will be moved out of the Vatican and into Babylon. How long would it take to rebuild the city of Babylon? I don't know with today's construction uh, methods. You could probably build a, a city in an infrastructure if you got the, if the world was into it. Okay? You could probably do it pretty easily in a year. Bill? Um, I need more symbolic simply saying that it is great. Yeah, okay, some religions, there are religious harvests, of course. But that would include religion, then, uh, as well as everything else that people sell themselves to. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's, yeah. Yeah. So you are talking about the souls and bodies of men? Everything. Everything that people give themselves that, that uh, causes death is the downfall of all nations. Why do the nations fall? Why did the one that is? Why is that one? Because they don't have the Lord. They don't have the Lord. They don't follow God. They don't see His righteousness. They right. They're seeking something else, usually personal power. Yeah, right. Here's, here's what we know. Okay? We know that the religious system is going to be destroyed by the Antichrist system. And we know that the Antichrist system the commercial merchantable part of the system is going to be destroyed by God. Alright? So, that's what we've got in Revelation chapter 18. Well, let's see here. I'm tempted. But in Revelation 19 next week, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see the, the rider on the white horse coming. And you can read about that in Revelation 19. In Revelation 20, we're going to study about the thousand years, the millennium, and the reign of Christ, and Satan being put away in prison for a thousand years. And then in 21, the new Jerusalem. And in 22, a little bit more about heaven, etc. So next week, plan on, we'll study 1920, if we're lucky. And 21 and 22, the week after that, and uh, I don't know about you, but I still feel there's so much that we don't know. You know what I mean? We can probably start at the beginning, which I'm going to do. Uh, and, uh, huh? and, and, and you know what? We can probably just learn a whole bunch more all over again. Uh, I think that this is either the third or the fourth time that I've taught this book. Is it four? Four fourth time in this in this church. And it's taken me about, I don't know how long this time took. Does anybody know? I know it's been over a year. I've been in all four. Have it? You think I did it faster this time? Yeah. Might be right. I've been in all four studying the and every time there's more that seems to come through. There really is, isn't there? And there's more that comes clear to me. And, if you think about it, the world, okay, itself is getting closer and closer to this time that we're reading about. So that even makes it even more clear, too. So, uh, yeah. We'll pray for the same service that we'll have a good one, and let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word, for this, oh Lord, for the hope of heaven. We thank you that Father, we're not going to see these plagues. We're not going to see your wrath. We're going to see your glory. We're going to see the rapture. We're going to see the judgment seat of Christ where rewards are handed out. We're going to see the, the wedding feast of the Lamb, Lord. We're going to see all this 
And it's going to be wonderful, Lord. And we pray, Lord God, for all those people today that aren't Christians. The people in their families. The people that are our friends. The people that we work with. Our neighbors. And Father, we ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit on them. That they might have maximum opportunity to hear your word. Receive it and accept it and be saved. Bless this Sunday service, Lord, we pray. And we just ask again that you'll please bless Wayne in the hospital and bring him home safely. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <laughs> okay, that's a lot of work. Isn't it great? This is great. So we've got enough, I think we've got enough food in the refrigerator now, so a couple more, a couple more of our Wednesdays, so, uh, and boy, today, what, what, what a piece that was, huh? Wow. We hit the muddle. Yeah. The Babylonian. Yeah.